Hey, good morning, everyone. All right, welcome to Darby Creek. A um, couple of announcements, and Nick, we're going to pull you back up here and for an announcement here in just a second. Um, but one is just a reminder, another reminder about Class 101, our kind of discovering Darby Creek um, class where you get to learn about the church. There's a, there's a three-hour time block on Saturday, uh, October 14th. We'd love to have you here, 1 to 4. Um, if you need child care, we're going to have that provided as well. It's just an opportunity for you to learn about the history of our church, uh, what we believe, you know, our core beliefs, um, and also just talk to you about how our church is set up, how it runs, and so on. So uh, there is opportunity for membership uh, in, as a part of the class, but we're uh, not pushing that per se. So, but it's an opportunity for you to learn about the church, ask questions, interact over it. So I um, would love to have you. Um, if you're interested in participating in that, just send us an email at info at darbycreek.org. Uh, that would be great. Um, what's that? Yes. Yep. Child care. Yep. You got it. That's okay. No problem. Um, so uh, the other thing I want to mention as well is that um, coming up this Saturday uh, is we're going to have a 30th year celebration for our church 30 years ago. October 3rd, 1993 was our very first church service at Brown Elementary School. So we're going to celebrate that by having a dinner, and uh, uh, Doug's paying for it. No, no, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, but the, it's, it's on the church. And so it doesn't matter if you're new to our church or if you've been here a long time. We'd love to invite you to be a part of that. Um, most people have RSVP by now, but that's okay if you haven't. On your way out, on that bulletin board there, there is uh, you can scan in the code or go to the website. The website says the deadline's passed, but we're going to give you one more day, Grace, because um, Frank's in charge, and he said we could. So that's, that's what I usually just say. Frank said we could, and it seems to work around here. So just so you know, and you need something done, just say Frank said it was okay. So... <clears throat> Sorry, Frank. Frank and I used to be roommates, so, uh, you know, I feel like I can do that stuff to him. Uh, so anyway, yeah, one more day. So, uh, you know, you can, again, scan the code on your way out, or uh, there's a website you can go to there and just uh, sign up, let us know how many people are coming, and so on. So, um, okay, uh, there's that. And then, Nick, come on up, tell us about your announcement. Thank you. All right, I've got two, actually, real quick. Um, one is uh, for TGIF, the Teens Growing in Faith, our youth ministry that, we're, that we started last year, or we restarted last year. Uh, we're going to do it again this year, but we're looking for a teacher. So if you're interested in helping us out with that and teaching some of the youth in a youth ministry um, setting, uh, please reach out to me. Let me know. I'd be happy to talk with you, and we'd like to get you started on that. The other thing I'd like to mention is uh, Jess and I are going to be starting kind of a, it's a, it's a seminar, but it's really just we're just going to sit down and watch a a series of videos um, online through Zoom, um, starting at 9 p.m. on Thursday nights. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I don't. I'm as a parent. I'm sure many of you, as parents or have been parents, 9 p.m. is about the free time that things or that you get to start uh, from a free time perspective. So we'd like to ask you to donate. Not donate. That's a weird thing. To yourself, donate to yourself. Invest in yourself and invest in your kids. Uh, 45 minutes uh, once a week, starting next Thursday, not this coming Thursday. Um, and uh, there's a QR code up there. Uh, please fill out the form that's located there to let me know if you're, that you're interested. We'd love to have you. Again, it's a Zoom platform. We're going to be going through uh, TED Trips, 
um, shepherding a child's heart. Uh, we're not teaching you how to parent. I don't, I'm still figuring out how to do that. Um, sometimes Jess and I go look at each other and go, are we running a circus? What, <laughs> what's going on? Yes. So, so we're looking into uh, you know, this guy, Ted Tripp's, very experienced, and it's just about really the chi- every child, including ourselves, need to be shepherded. And so how do we shepherd that child's heart? And I'm going to learn. I'm excited to learn. And I hope you want to learn with me. Any parent at any point in time is welcome to come. So you, don't, you can have, have your kids moved out and still want to join us. That'd be great. So we'd love to have you. All right, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so the question was um, asked, uh, does somebody have to be involved in the church here to attend this? And the answer to that is no. So you can, anybody can. So, and I think it's a great idea. Nine o'clock, I mean, kids, younger kids are usually down. Uh, what a great, a great idea. So I think it's all, and, and uh, I've read this book years ago uh, when we were in the throes of parenting our children. It's great. It talks about, you know, getting to the heart of things, not just behavioral things. So very important stuff, so. Okay, awesome. All right, so we're, um, we started a series on hope this uh, last week, and um, unshakable hope. And, and, and our God is the God of hope. It, he's described in the Bible as the God of all hope. And uh, we all need hope. And, uh, and so I'm hoping that through this series that uh, that's just what you'll find, is you'll find your hope in God if for some reason it hasn't been put there, or maybe you'll be reminded of uh, some truths that, uh, that anchor our hope in God. So, so I'm so glad you're here with us today, and, um, and so we're going to be looking at a passage here in the book of Romans in just a minute, but would you pray with me as, before we get into that? Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful that we can come to you and And we can gather together in this place in your name. We thank you as we were singing before that uh, you're the same God who has been faithful to your people all through the centuries. And uh, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of Mary, and and so on. And and just as we we read those stories, those real-life stories, and it does uh, encourage us, it strengthens our hearts and and so, Lord, we just pray this morning as we, as we look at a very important and foundational truth that we must believe in order to experience lasting change in any area of our lives, Lord, would you grant us uh, just the faith to believe it and to know it's true, and, uh, because it is. And so, Lord, we, we want to lift up any of the troubles that we come in here with, Lord. We, some of us may be grieving, we may be experience a loss. We may be sick uh, or others around us who are struggling with an illness. And Lord, we pray for your healing touch. We pray for um, the strengthening of your right arm to be experienced in our lives today, God. We need your, um, we need encouragement from you, courage to uh, walk a life of faith. And so, Lord, we, we just pray, God, that you'd help us today um, may our minds and our hearts, Lord, just be receptive to what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me up now and help me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, when legendary magician Harry Houdini came into a town to do his show, he often went to the local jail. And 
he would gather a crowd of people along the way, and to get the buzz going about his upcoming performance, he would do this. And he asked the jailer to come and lock him up in a cell. And time after time, jail after jail, town after town, Houdini escaped within minutes. But one jailer had heard that Houdini was coming, and the jailer was ready for him. And so when Houdini closed the cell door, the jailer put the key in the lock and secretly turned it the opposite direction. So instead of locking it, it was actually already unlocked. He then removed the key, and everyone watched as Houdini struggled to escape because every time he thought he was unlocking it, he was actually locking it. Uh, and, And so he didn't know. But finally, in frustration, Houdini threw up his hands and admitted he could not escape this jail. The jailer then revealed his deception, and Houdini had believed a lie that he was locked in the jail. And that lie, though, held him captive. Now, you know, living your life by a lie is a lot like believing the door is locked when it isn't. And um, today, when we look at this passage here, Uh, I want us to see there's something really for us to believe, to know and to believe. And really, as I thought about this, uh, this is going to be a two-parter, okay? Because there's, uh, unless you know and believe the truth that we're going to talk about today, it it won't do you any good to talk about a bunch of how-tos, okay? So so just know that, that uh, having knowledge... Uh, and then believing in that, you know, the truth of that is going to be the key for us to experiencing uh, spiritual growth, character growth, a lasting change, if you will, right? And so, um, you know, just as in the Houdini example, I, I was thinking about an example in my own life about how knowledge made a, a difference. Uh, so many of you know, I, I teach part-time at Columbus State, and uh, um when, you know, as you're doing that, you as a teacher here in the state of Ohio, you, you get earn credit for service credit, right, for uh, that's going to hopefully yield a retirement, uh, somewhat of a retirement. So the number of years that you have service credit for is going to, you know, the more you have, the more you get out. Makes sense, right? Well, um, so I used to cram all, all of my teaching into one day thought that was, you know, just made sense kind of uh, in being efficient and so on. But what they didn't tell me, and I didn't find out till probably eight years into that gig, that um, even as a part-time person, if I spread out my teaching throughout the week, I get more days of service credit. Like, you know, even if I taught like two hours on Monday and two hours on Wednesday and two hours, it was like, you know, it was more service credit than if I had taught six hours on Monday. I was kind of miffed when I found out the truth. And I'm like, why don't they tell you this at an orientation, right? Uh, so, you know, this is an example of how knowledge, knowing something, can really change the direction of your life. And that was just in a simple way. But um, so I made some adjustments, uh, based on that information. And so um, today, if you come here, uh, you know, having put your faith in Jesus Christ, as Nick was talking about, if you've received the forgiveness that he offers through the sacrifice uh, 
what he did on the cross for us. Uh, I want you to know, if you've done that, um, there is some really important information you need to know. And, and that's what we're going to hit on today. And so um, you may not have experienced this since you've been coming here, but uh, we, uh, a lot of times I'll have our congregation stand for the reading of God's Word out of respect for the Word. So would you do that with me now? Just um, we're gonna, I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to read the, the Bible passage that we're going to talk about today. And so just out of respect for the Word of God, um, we stand together. So let me read this to you. It says, um, this is the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, what shall, see, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of, God, glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the, de- the body of the sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. Lots of imagery in that passage. Uh, You probably caught a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of talk about death and life. and, And this is really really, really important information for us to grasp. Um, Just like I was mentioning earlier with the story with Houdini and with my retirement, if we don't understand this, um, you may um, find yourself just thinking that, well, you know what? I'm never going to change. I keep trying, and it's just, I just know that it's, it's just not possible. It's not possible for me to, to, uh, to gain ground in this sin area of my life. And so we can live a defeatist kind of life, um, thinking that, you know what, um, I'm forgiven of my sin, but it still seems to have power over me. Uh, and so we're going to address that today, um, because unless you know the truth about, if I can say, your relationship to sin, then um, you don't have a chance of getting victory and of growing 
in Christ and being more Christ-like. So, because we're talking about hope for lasting change, and that change, you know, maybe you're just feeling like, you know, I'm, I just have an anger problem, and I, I, I don't know, how, I don't think I'll ever get a hold of it, you know, or, um, you know, I, I have trouble controlling my thoughts, and I don't know what to do with that, and, and, I, and so, I, so, you know, I just, because you're not gotten any kind of, uh, gained any ground in those areas, maybe you're just feeling like, you know, I cannot change, and and by the way, that's exactly what our enemy, Satan, would want us to think, right? Because once you, once you cross the line of faith and put your uh, faith in Jesus, what can the enemy do? Well, just to try to sideline you, try to get you to be ineffective, right? Well, one way to get you to be ineffective is to think that there's nothing that you can do to change about your life. You're never going to be a better husband. You're never going to be a better wife. You're never going to be a better worker, whatever the role you play and that you want to grow and be better at or whatever sin in your life you want to gain uh, ground in, uh, you know, we have to realize that that is possible, right? Because you think if something is not possible, then you won't even try it, will you? Um, you know, have, you've, you've, I don't even know if this is still done anymore, but... Um, when I was young, and we, if we ever went, I think I went to a circus one time. I think the circus came to Troy Hobart Arena one time that I was young. And um, the greatest show on earth or something like that. I don't know what they called it. But, uh, um, but the elephants, right, they would, had them chained up with a, a, a stake in the ground. And you're like, I know that that elephant can just totally lift the stake out of the ground. I mean, what is its problem, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm glad it didn't, you know, but, but it's because, you know, when they're little, they do that. And so they just, they believe they cannot do it now as an adult. And so, again, this is just getting on the importance of belief and knowledge and belief is so critical as Christians, right? And so uh, what we are going to look at here in this passage is, first of all, just understand the nature of our identification with Jesus Christ. And you saw a lot of language in that passage um, and, 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 and talking about how we died with Jesus and how we're, uh, he rose from the dead and we're alive with him. And, you know, and I'm, you know, when I first read that, I'm thinking, I wasn't alive back then. I may be old, but I'm not that old, you know. Uh, it's, it's, what does that even mean that we died with Christ, right? Um, and, uh, and so we need to understand that there is something very significant about this truth. And, um, you know, theologians uh, call this our union with Christ. We're united with Jesus. So when you believe and you put your faith in Christ, you're united to him and linked up with him in a very special way. And, of course, it's it's spiritually speaking, but it manifests itself in a very real and tangible way in our lives, okay? And so Paul, in this passage, in in the first 10 verses, mentions the word no several times. So there's some things he wants us to understand, and he wants us to know. And the key is he wants us to know about our union with Jesus and the effect that has uh, in terms of us living our daily lives and uh, battling sin and growing and 
and our lives changing to become more Christ-like, more like Jesus, more holy, if you will. Um, and so if I were to outline verses 1 to 10, uh, here's what I'd say it. And this is very logical. You know, I think back to my, I took up one philosophy class at Ohio State, and, uh, and, and this is very logical. It says, um, so we, when I say we, I mean believers, we are united to Christ. Jesus, with whom we are united, has died to sin. We died to sin because Christ died to sin. Okay, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, we are united to Christ. Jesus, with whom we're united, has died to sin. Therefore, we have died to sin because he did, because we're united to him, okay? That's the basic argument, um, and he, he lays that out. And so um, he, he uses, though, a word picture of baptism. Uh, anybody here ever been to a baptism before? Right? Uh, so we do what we call believer's baptism, where, you know, you're dunked down and come up, right? Um, and so uh, it's very symbolic of the reality of what happens in a person's life when they believe, when they believe in Jesus, right? You go under the water, and that kind of symbolizes, in one sense, the death to the old self, and uh, death, you know, you died with Christ, um, you know, you died to sin's power. Okay? And then, and then raised to new life, right? And so, uh, not you didn't just die to something; you're alive to something. You're alive to God. It says. Okay, and this is just um, um, again. I don't know if you know this, but it, it, it may sound foundational if you grew up in the church. But this is so radical, you know, for 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 us to be able to be united to some historical event that happened over 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and rose again from the dead is just uh, amazing, and that the effects of that could be um, experienced in our daily lives. But he uses this uh, baptism uh, as a word picture for us, right, Um, in that uh, every person, when they turn from their sin to turn to Christ for forgiveness, experiences that symbolism. And this is why we always tell people when they get baptized here that, hey, this is just an expression. It's an outward expression of what's happened inwardly in your life when you believed, right? And so that's what baptism is. So in, in verse, let me look back at verses 3, 4, and 5, and then verse 8 again in Romans 6. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, did you catch, though, at the very beginning of the passage when I read it aloud as we're standing, Paul's answering a question. Remember what the question was? He said, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And what's happening here is, you know, what comes before chapter 6? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Chapter 5, right? Um, Chapter 5. And so in chapter 5, he's talking about grace, right? And he's talking about the law and grace and how, um, and and so, but he's, but there's this argument that, you know, 
hey, um, you know, when we sin, God's grace, uh, you know, we're, it comes upon us. We experience the grace of God as believers. And, and so then there's this, uh, and, and this happens a lot of times with, with, um, with people when they're actually getting the gospel, when they really understand it. Because it will say to them, you know, hey, this is, the, this is God's plan of salvation, right? We're all sinners separated from God. And uh, because our, you know, God's holy and we're not. And so, um, but God has made a way so that we can be brought uh, into relationship with him and our sin can forget, be forgiven and God can actually see us as holy, even though we're practically not. Um, and, and they say, well, what do you got to do? Well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and repent of your sin. And that's it. And they're like, okay. What's the catch? You know, because um, then, then wheels start turning and they start thinking like, well, are you telling me that all my sins would be forgiven past, present, future if I put my faith in Jesus? Yeah, totally. Well, then what prevents me from just doing whatever I want? Can't I just sin, you know, do whatever I want if I'm covered by the blood of Jesus and, and if you follow the argument in chapter 5, you know, it's kind of like, well, if we receive more grace when we sin, maybe we should sin more so we get more grace. That was the argument, okay? So Paul is responding to that, okay? And really what he's saying is that, you know, um, what needs to happen is, no, we, we're not going to want to just... Um, sin more to, you know, so that we can receive more grace, that's not going to happen because we're dead to sin now. We're dead to sin. He's like, you know, and did you read in the one, the one verse there, it says like, you know, basically dead men don't sin. Well, that kind of makes sense. When's the last dead person you saw sin? Never, right? It's impossible, okay? Now, hang on now. I'm not saying that we don't sin anymore, okay? Some of you might be thinking, as Pastor Greg, is he one of those perfectionists who thinks that we'll, you know, sinless perfection can be achieved? Nope, don't believe that. Uh, Paul didn't preach that, I don't think. If you read Romans chapter 7, you'll find yourself reading Paul's lament of, you know, why, why is it I know what to do and I don't do it, okay? So, but hang on here. We're not talking about the presence of sin in our lives of a believer, we're talking about the power of sin in the life of a believer. You get that? There's a distinction, okay? And so, so what's happening here is um, our union with Jesus, because we're united with Jesus, in fact, that word united is like, um, what would you, what's the word, botanical, landscape? Let's go with landscaping since Frank's here, because he's a, he's a by by trade, a landscape guy. But so what, you know, this, it means grown together. It, it literally means grown together. It's a picture of branch bound together that's grafted together. Okay, that's what this united with Jesus means, okay? So we're united with him, right? And uh, Listen, so look, listen to some of the verses, other verses in the Bible. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you were baptized into Christ. 
All of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. Man, if you're clothed with something, that's close proximity, right? My clothes are pretty close to me, right? You're clothed with Christ. Clothed with Christ. He's saying there's that union. And then it says um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, and that's the body of Christ. Okay, so there's this union, this closeness with our Lord. And because he died to sin, he broke the power of sin, we uh, no longer have to live a life that where sin has power over us. Or dominion is another word that's used, okay? So this is, this is important, right? Because what we're saying is, we're, so we're not saying that, you know, when you become a Christian, you no longer sin or do things that are wrong. That's not true. But what we're saying is now, um, what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his death and resurrection, and now we have the newness of life in us through Christ, is that we now have the ability to say no to sin. It does not have power over us, okay? Um, the, the, the jail door is unlocked, okay? We can walk in freedom, all right? That's the thing. We can. Sometimes we choose to stay in the cell and live as if it were still locked. You know, we do that sometimes, but... And we don't walk in freedom from the power of sin. But this is something that you have to understand. So, you know, we have to know that because we're united with Christ, the power of sin has been broken. Okay? Because if we don't know that, we don't know a key piece of information about how to live our lives and that we actually can change to the glory of God. We can become more Christ-like. We can um, gain victory and ground over sins that so easily trip us up or entangle us. But the thing is, is that it's one thing to know something, right? Like I could, once I learned the information about how the retirement thing works, I could have done nothing with it. Or I could have said, I don't believe it. Well, that doesn't change the truth of it. Just because I said I don't believe it, right? It's still true, right? It's still true. And so the thing is, is that we not only need to know and understand how our union with Christ sets us free from the power of sin, but we need to actually believe it. We need to believe it. And that's what Romans 6.11 says. It says, so, in other words, as a result of this um, fact that you're united with Jesus and and because he died to sin, so have you to the power of sin. So because of that, verse 11, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Uh, some of Bible versions, when it says consider there, it says some say count yourselves dead to sin. Others say reckon. It's like an accounting term, right? So reckon yourselves dead to sin. 
And, uh, and so this is an, a, an important thing. In other words, I, I believe it. I, I really count myself dead to the power of sin because of what Christ has done. So in other words, there's that potential there for me to walk uh, in this newness of life, right? And experience growth in character and uh, increasing victory and ground over sin in my life. Now, uh, this, this is important. Again, I know it may seem uh, like uh, Christianity 101 for some of us, but uh, let me ask you, am I, am I living? Are you living in light of this truth? In other words, do you believe it in such a way is that you're in the battle? When I say in the battle, a battle uh, against the remaining, uh, what, what we call indwelling sin in our lives. Okay? Because um, I've talked to some people who have professed faith, and sometimes uh, I, some individuals I've run into say, you know what, I just stopped fighting that. I just give up. That's it. And that's not exactly a great place to be um, because not only are you denying uh, the power of Christ in your life, if in fact you have Christ in you through faith, right? Um, but you, you, you know, there may be a question, you know, is, there, is my faith authentic? Is it real? And I'm not saying that every person that struggles with that doesn't have authentic faith, but, you know, um, we, 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 need to, we need to, I think God puts within us a desire to, to grow in godliness, right? The Holy Spirit's in us. Uh, but there is a battle and uh, that we must fight daily, right? Um, because of the, the, you know, we don't always, our, our first initial reaction, because we're still, there's still part of the, um, if I could say the old man hanging around, our, our flesh, right, that's still there, and we battle that. The spirit battles the flesh, and, um, and so we're going to talk more about that next week, because I think that's more of the, the practicality of how, how do I engage in this battle so that I can actually experience the change, right? Because today we're, we're focusing on the truth that you can change uh, in Christ because of what he's done and your, your union with him. And the power of sin has been broken. Again, not at all painting the picture of perfection. We will battle uh, sin in our lives till the day Christ comes back. Um, and and uh, let me just uh, read something to you here that, uh, to, to bring you comfort to realize that this is a process, right? Um, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 6 says, I am sure of this. This is the Apostle Paul writing again. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will give up on you. No, that's not what my Bible says. Yeah. Okay. It says, you began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. So he's going to finish it, right? What God starts in the life of a believer, he will finish. But, but does it say he's going to finish it by your 60th birthday? I'll let you know. Next year or whatever, a couple years. I don't know. How old am I? I don't remember. See, this is bad. I'm probably closer to 60 than I thought because I can't even remember how old I am. Okay. 
But here's what it says. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning it's not going to be done until Jesus comes back, you know? Yeah, so if somebody tells you you're a piece of work, you disagree with them, you agree with them, you say, I'm a work in progress, God told me, okay? But it's not an excuse to continue, you know, in your sin, but it is true. We are a work in progress, um, and so what we're supposed to do, though, is once we know and believe this, is yield our lives to God. Yield everything in our lives to God. And Paul uses some interesting words He's like, uh, you know, let me me get back to it. He says, um, verse 12, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. In other words, it's kind of just circling back around and saying, listen, you've been freed from the power of sin. It doesn't have dominion over you. So stop letting it reign in your life. What are you doing? You know, living like you're not saved. Why are you doing that? You know? That's kind of what he's saying. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You know, it's kind of like somebody coming up to you and saying, you know, leave, when they have no authority to do that. But you go ahead and listen to them anyway. You know, that's what, you know, we don't have to listen to uh, what sin is telling us. If you think of sin as a person, you don't have to by the grace of God, okay? And then he says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. He's talking about the the parts of your body. He's like, don't don't use your, you know, substitute in, you know, your hands, your your feet, your mouth, right? He's saying, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. He's like, don't do unholy things with your body. Right? Don't live an unholy life because that's not who you are. He says, but instead present, so this is good typical Paul, he's like says the negative, then he says the positive, right? He's saying, don't present your members to sin, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members, right, your body to God as an instrument for righteousness. Have you ever thought about that? You know, here I am, God. I offer myself to you. We talk about offerings today, right? I offer myself to you, God, that I want to be used. I want my mouth, my hands, my feet, everything about me to be used for righteous things, for good things, not for bad things not for sinful things. And so, so this is what, he, so this yield daily to Christ is, is just that. It's like, you know, it's an attitude of a life, right? It's like, if I, if I yield myself to someone, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of like waiting for them. I, I, it's like, I want to listen to them. I want to, to be used by them. In this case, we're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? So, You've got to know something, right? You've got to know that as a believer, you are united with Christ in his death and resurrection. And that means the power of sin has been broken, right? It can't tell you what to do anymore. Now, we can let it, right? But it, it doesn't have to be that way. 
And then not only have to we know that, we have to believe it. Reckon yourselves dead. Count yourselves dead to sin. And then lastly, though, just yield our lives to God, right? Yield daily to Christ. And this is where it begins. This is where it begins, okay? Because what we're going to talk about next week, and I'm over time, I apologize, is we're just going to talk about some practical ways that we can, um, as the way the Bible puts it, is put to death the deeds of the flesh, right? Okay, we're going to learn about some ways to accomplish that, okay? So kind of more of a how-to. This is what you need to know and believe, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask and pray that you'd help us to take your word for what it is, and that is the truth about our relationship to sin now once we believe in Jesus. And, and uh, Lord, help us to uh, just yield our lives to you daily and uh, in a desire to want to honor you with all of our body, with everything about us. And thank you, God, that that is something that we can do because of what you've done for us in Jesus. God, we want to also just thank you now as, as we maybe think back over our lives. I think back, you know, uh, where I put my faith in Jesus in 1982, and so many things have changed for the good because of your work in my life. And there's a long way to go, but I praise you, God, for the progress and the growth and the victories because it's all for you and your glory. Lord, help us to not fall into the lie that we cannot change. We know, Jesus, it is possible. Help us to yield ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.